Well, Josh has a real gift of being able to lead us into a time of um, just kind of joining with the Spirit together as we um, kind of gather as a church community and um, experience fellowship and friendship and most of all, the Spirit. Thank you, Josh, for that. That was great. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for joining us online if you're doing that. And um, a number of people have asked me this morning, so how are you feeling? Uh, a couple weeks ago, Bob Hess said to me, when I go up there, I'd like you to put that wall right here, and then I'm going to stand behind it to preach. And so <laughs> there are certainly moments of that as I prepared and thought about, um, yeah, Josh, grab that thing, give you a hand. And uh, yeah, we'll hide, and, but anyway. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm glad to have the opportunity to share. And um, let me grab the. At the beginning of the year this year, and I'm going to grab my water here real quick, which I left over here. Don't mind me. At the beginning of the year this year, as a church community, we. Um, all had the opportunity to sign a commitment, and it's a yearly commitment that um, kind of created a framework for how we were going to function as a community for the next year. This is what that, what that looked like, and everybody had the opportunity to sign that document. Throughout May, We've been learning together about what it looks like to live out the commitments that we made to each other on this document. Um, and we're calling these conversations living it out. And so on May 1st, Abigail Delp shared about what it looks like to give faithfully. She reminded us that good company doesn't talk about finances, sex, or religion. And then she went on to talk about money for a while. So I'm not quite sure what kind of company that makes Abigail, but un unfortunately, she's not here this morning. <laughs> a few highlights from what the Spirit brought through Abigail about giving was your heart needs to be in the right place when you give. Give sacrificially as Christ gave and not in a way that draws attention to you. You can see her teaching on our Facebook page or listen on our website at eastpeatmc.org. Last Sunday, May 8th, Lucille Stolsfu shared on the commitment to pray regularly. Some highlights from Lucille's sharing included lots of captivating personal stories. Some of the takeaways from her sharing were prayer is a gift given to us from God. And prayer can be many things, perplexing, exciting, difficult, fulfilling, disappointing, wonderful, boring, and mostly thrilling. Thanks, Lucille, for giving us a window into what you've learned from a lifetime of devoted prayer. You can also catch her sermon on Facebook or on our website. And this morning, we'll be talking together about serving actively. As many of you know, my family 
lives in a farmhouse that was built in 1850. When Tracy and I were blessed to move into the house last summer, one of my aunts was glad that we could now get started catching up on the deferred maintenance, as she put it. What that means is that it needs a lot of work, okay? It's common around our house for there to be many projects that need done, some that I'm trying not to start, some that we're in the middle of, and hopefully some that we're finishing up. So the opportunities to serve around the house are abundant to say the least. So after a long day for both Tracy and I, when we finally are all together, um, sitting around the table eating dinner, there's often conversations that go like this. Jonathan, would you be willing to dig the cement blocks out of the flower bed out back? Some of you might be wondering, why are there cement blocks in the flower bed? But living on an old farm, you just don't ask questions. They're there, and I need to get them out of there, and that's the way it is. And so those kind of, of questions or those kind of requests um, bring up a lot of emotions for me at times, but there's certainly opportunity to dive into service. And there's a whole range of responses that can happen and do happen in our house. Sometimes I respond by getting out the digging iron and getting to work. Sometimes I respond by telling the kids to get the tools out and get to work. And sometimes I respond by snoring because I fell asleep as soon as I sat down after dinner, totally out. As I thought about serving actively, I realized that in this everyday situation, there are a number of aspects of service that come into play. What does it mean to serve? When are we serving? And how do I serve in a way that represents the heart of God? Merriam-Webster defines service, serve or service in this way, to be a servant, to do military or naval service, to assist a celebrant as server at mass, to be use of, to contribute for the welfare of others. Serving requires sacrifice and surrender. Yesterday, I was taking a break from um, my preparation for the sermon this morning. And any of you who know me know that I should have a um, bumper sticker that says, I'll procrastinate later. And that's why I was preparing yesterday, partly that, and we have a lot going on. So I spent most of the evening Friday and most of the day Saturday getting ready to share this morning. And the yard needed mowed, and I heard the mower start up, and I knew Tracy was going to be working at that. And Tracy is very particular about her yard. And so she began mowing with the push mower around the house, which that's her area. Nobody messes with that. And um, me wanting a break from prep, I had the opportunity to jump on the riding mower, and I just went to town. I, I took a quick look, and I was like, I wonder which way I should be mowing this. And I was like, eh, we're, we're between rainstorms. I'm just going to get done as quick as I can. 
So I'm out there cutting grass, and I come around the house, and I, I see Tracy, and she's, like, watching me. And uh, after a little bit, she's like, I'm like, what? So I shut the mower down, and, and uh, we had a conversation about how I was not going in the right direction. And my, my choice at that time was there's a, there's a rainstorm behind us, one in front of us. I'm here to get this done, and I was trying to be helpful. Um, in, in all of that, I chose not to serve her in the way that would have been helpful to her as I'm preparing to do this. And so as, you know, I was disregarding everything that I'm sharing about this morning, the Lord brought to mind the example of this sacrifice and surrender through um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we see in, um, I don't have the reference on my thing here, um, anyway, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In this scripture here, we see a kind of sacrifice and surrender that we are kind of asked to, biblically, to give in situations of service. Mary's willing to sacrifice her will and surrender to God sets a high bar for what service looks, looks like and, and what it means to serve. As Mennonites, we have historically placed a lot of emphasis on the serve part of our faith. We have organizations like MDS, which is Mennonite Disaster Service, and that's an organization that um, does disaster relief, and it gives an opportunity for us to be and live out the hands and feet part of Jesus' calling. Um, there's also Mennonite Central Committee, and they send out missionaries all over the world and supplies. And there are also other historical examples and people in our community that served in 1W, which was alternate to military service for conscientious objectors, along with people who serve or have served in the military. There are some, there are some of the things those are some of the things that immediately come to mind when I think about service. And these are all examples of what it looks like to serve. These kinds of out of your normal routine service or service that you would go and do have a lot of value and build the kingdom in many ways. In the past, these kinds of going to do service was a common way of thinking for me as a youth, we would go on service trips every summer. My parents still frequently go and serve with MDS and provide much needed relief. As we think together about what service is, I know, I now think about everyday situations like the one in my story about the blocks in the flower bed 
I want us to become aware that there is an opportunity, opportunity to serve in everyday tasks, whether that's making supper, going to your workplace each day, or slogging through mundane tasks of changing diapers, weeding flower beds, all of these situations can be acts of service. Service is a choice. In Joshua 24, 14 to 15, we see Joshua making a deliberate choice to serve the Lord. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is making a choice to serve. If we look back at my example, I recognize er, that each person involved has the opportunity to choose to serve. I can be serving Tracy by going out and getting the job done. The children can be serving Tracy and I by doing what they're told. And Tracy can serve me at times by letting me sleep. So that brings me to the next question. When do we, or when are we, serving? If serving is a choice, as we see in the Joshua text, the first step is to be aware that we are making choices at all the time, whether we are going to serve God and others or serve ourselves. The Gospels are full of examples of Jesus choosing to serve. Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' highest call, calling was to serve others. If we follow the ministry of Jesus, we see him going about the business that his father put on his heart by teaching, healing, feeding the 5,000, and caring and serving for the least of these. Matthew 20, 29 to 33, we see, we see Jesus serving by healing the blind beggar. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, but they only shouted louder. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. There are example after example of Jesus in continuous service at all times. 
there are many times that as I go about in my everyday routines that I become unaware of who I'm serving or that I'm serving at all. Remembering that we are setting an example of Christ to others means that it is important to understand that we are always serving something or someone. Distractions from our awareness of this could cause us to misplace our service. Then we would begin serving a job, a hobby, an addiction, or an unhealthy pattern in many areas of life. There, and there are many healthy ways that we can serve in many of these areas as well, at our jobs, in our hobbies, or in other areas of life. But the way we serve comes down to our heart posture. When we're in right relationship with God, our motivation for serving is centered around God. Another aspect when we are serving involves asking how I can be helpful. Have you ever had someone doing something for you that wasn't what you needed at the time? That can be frustrating. Be careful about assuming that someone needs something from you. In an attempt to be a servant, sometimes we end up creating more challenges for ourselves and others. Let's jump back to my story at the beginning. When I'm asked to do a job around the house, first, I know that there is a need in that situation because Tracy's asking me for it. Serving her requires my motivation or heart posture to be in the right place for the task I'm doing. I can make all kinds of choices about how to execute getting the concrete blocks out of the flower bed. If I make those choices with my knowledge of who she is and my love for her in mind, then I'm serving her. If I decide to do the job in a way that allows more time for myself and disregards how she feels, then I'm serving myself. There's a fine line that I can easily stand on either side of in the same situation that can completely change my motivation from others to self. Close relationship with Tracy allows my service to her to be out of genuine love. Otherwise, my motivation becomes quickly misguided by my desires to be fishing, camping, or doing anything other than digging concrete blocks out of the flower bed. And this brings me to my last question. How do we serve? Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and helpful, or another word for helpful is serve, to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ also forgave you. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it as for the Lord, not for men. This example of how to serve sets the stage. Being in close relationship with a friend or your wife or husband allows you to serve them in ways that encourage them and build them up. Knowing your kids well allows you to help them understand the value they have in Christ and in your eyes as a parent. In the same way, a close relationship with Christ gives you knowledge and awareness that you are serving him 
out of a godly motivation. We serve by making a choice to put others before ourselves, by asking others how we can serve, and by being a servant leader. That means setting an example in the way something is done and how you choose to care for the people involved. People can quickly tell when our service turns from God and others-centered to self-centered. And we see two examples of this in Scripture. Um, The first we see um, when Jesus is being tempted in the desert in Luke 4, 5 through 8. The devil took him up. The devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, Scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Self-serving Satan, trying his hardest to push his self-serving motivations on Jesus, Jesus' simple response shows proper alignment with God and takes the wind right out of the devil's sails. Jesus' motivation was to serve his father out of a close relationship with God, and Satan had no chance of bending that reality into self-service. I see a self-serving motivation in the story leading up to the death and resurrection of Jesus as Judas Iscariot's motivation is shifted by the devil to self-serve and results of that choice and in death for Judas. The second part of how we serve, we see in the woman in the scripture from Abigail's sermon, um, of her sermon around giving. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they have gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. God doesn't want us to serve out of our excess or what's left over when we do everything else that we want to be doing. But out of a, out of a posture of priority and sacrifice, this woman gave everything she had and God wants our best. Serving out a state of exhaustion after everything else is done shortchanges those you are serving. Prioritize a healthy relationship with Jesus and serve with an awareness that what you're doing is for the Lord. As we met together as elders on Tuesday morning, we were getting into a posture of awareness of the Spirit and we were reading the theme scripture for the year, Revelation 21, 1 through 7. As we were reading that, Holy Spirit showed me another example of God's servant heart. And in that verse it says, and God himself will wipe every tear from your eye. 
We serve an amazing God who sets example of a life of service for each one of us. In closing, draw close to Christ and he will create a heart posture in you that pours out healthy, godly service for Christ and others. Set an example for those around you as you model servant leadership at work, in your homes, in your families, in your marriages, and in your enormous, never-ending projects. Give your children opportunities to serve by making them do some of the work you really don't want to do, <laughs> and the Lord will work the motivation out in their hearts later. <laughs> uh, closing with the same benediction that Lucille used last Sunday, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. May it be so. Serve actively. Come on up.